and we're glad if you're joining us online as well. I don't know um, what would be the word that you would most associate with this time of Christmas as we're thinking about getting ready for Christmas. I think for the children it may be presents, for some of us it may be food, but I think probably for most adults the the big word is busy. It's busy in the run-up to Christmas. So as we have busy lives, busy minds, let's just take a few seconds to calm down, to chill, to relax before we come to worship. So as we're thinking about worship, um, I need to remind you that next Sunday uh, we have the family service at 10.30 and we have the candlelit carol service at half past six. The great occasions to invite friends, family. It'd be good to have uh, a lot of visitors here, but they only come if we invite them. Some of you will remember that uh, we were being encouraged to think about the glory of Jesus. And something really struck me um, in my Bible reading. I want to share share it with you. It's. Um, The Apostle John, in Revelation, and he's thinking about Jesus. And this is what he says. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Behold, he is coming with the clouds that every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. Let's pray to that Jesus now. Oh Lord, we do thank you that we have a God who was from the beginning. We have a God who is here now and that you hear us as we pray to you. And we thank you that you are a God who is coming again. Oh Lord, we pray that the truth that we know about you and the truth that we hear about you today will be truth that doesn't get crowded out. Will be truth that we are able to really take in and wonder about why would our God come to this earth? What did he do? What what was the point of it? And help us not to forget that you're here now knowing everything that goes on in our lives and you're coming back. Oh Lord, we pray that that will be a reality that affects the way we live every part of our lives. Amen. So, as we look forward uh, to Christmas and we're thinking about being ready for it, 
Our first, first song uh, celebrates the fact that Christ is come. And after that, we're going to have our first reading. Sorry, verse 1 to 8. That's on page 599 of your church Bibles. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her welfare is en- warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? 
All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, we thank you that we can come to you as our Father. And we thank you that your word stands forever. We thank you that when you say something, it doesn't change. When you say that something will happen, it does happen. When you have plans, those plans always work perfectly. And our small minds can't can't get hold of that. Our our hearts can't can't grasp that. As from our, our viewpoint, things aren't going as we would write the script, aren't going as we would have planned. But we know that you are a good God. And we know that you are working everything out for the very best. Oh Lord, we thank you you speak to us. We thank you you speak to us through your word. But we thank you that you didn't just give us a book but you sent your Son into this world to show us what God is like. Oh Lord, we thank you that you opened the eyes of the blind. We thank you that you had compassion on the hungry. We thank you that you healed the sick. And that gives us confidence as we come with our needs Oh Lord, you know we're all complicated people. You know we all have many concerns. And we thank you that you are able to take on and understand and hear each one of us. Oh, we we pray for those who are troubled. We pray for those who are facing illness and worry about illness, oh Lord, we ask that they will know your peace and your presence. Oh Lord, we pray for those in fear of their lives. Lord, Lord, we we look at the situation around the world with the wars going on, with people powerless and trapped and in fear of having bombs dropped on them. Oh Lord, we pray that in your mercy you will give those responsible the desire for peace and not for vengeance. Oh Lord, these are things that are too difficult for us to understand. But we pray that in your mercy you will stop the plans of those who are wicked and selfish and brutal 
wherever that is in the world. And Lord, we, we know that in our hearts there's, there's that, that desire, that, that possibility that we too will be unkind and selfish and pushy. And Lord, we pray that you'll change us to make us more like Jesus. Oh Lord, we ask that as we come forward to Christmas, we won't just have a postcard picture of you, but we will know what you're like. And we will know in our hearts the joy and peace that comes from trusting you. Oh Lord, we pray especially for the funeral this week. Lord, we ask that you will be with the family. We pray that there will be a sense of your peace and your presence in the service here. Lord, we ask that you'll help John as he takes it. Oh Lord, you know everything and we pray that it will be a good time for all who go. And Lord, we pray for what's happened today. Lord, we know that your word has already been taught to the young people and the children. And we ask that that will have a really big impact. Lord, we pray that the truth will be something that sets them free. And as we look forward to John bringing your word to us, Lord, we pray that you will take his word, that you'll give him real clarity. But Lord, we know that unless your Holy Spirit takes the words and makes them go into our hearts and minds, it's just another story, it's just another talk. Oh Lord, we pray that you will work. So do be with us, we pray. Help us as we come to worship you. Amen. So we're, as we come looking forward to Christmas, we're going to be singing again. And then after this next song, um, we've got the children's talk. So the next song is Oh Holy Night. Let's uh, stand and sing when the music starts.
Come find a seat. Brilliant. Hey. Well, it's lovely to see you all. Come on, there's room. There must be a little bit. Come on, Harvey, squeeze up a bit. No? Okay, fine. Well, it's good to see you. One more week at school? Yeah? Yes. Don't tell your mum. She's a teacher. Right, I have in here... Okay, what do you think I've got in here? Presents. Who'd like a present? Yeah? Okay, well, let's see what we've got then. Would you like a present? You don't want a present? No? Okay. If you want a present, come and get one. I'm not going to come with it. Come on. And take your present back to your seat. Okay. There's nothing very exciting. But you've got to do one thing for me. Okay. Hello. Yes, hello. Would you like a present? Of course you would. Brilliant. There we are. There's enough for everyone. Now, what I want you to do is to take your presents is to take your presents and go and give it to someone else. You've got to take your present, Harvey, take your present and go and give it to someone else. I don't mind who you give it to. You can give it to John Fuller if you want to. You can give it to Luke. You can give it to your mum. Go on, off you go. Go on, go and give your present to someone else. And who thought it was for them? You're sitting quite smackly now, aren't you, eh? Would you like to take a present and give to your mum? No? Okay. Brilliant. So you've all taken your presents. Who gave it to someone they didn't know? Oh, there's a lesson there for us, isn't there, eh? Well done. So you've gone and given your pre- those presents to someone else. Now, why have I got you to do that? There's a verse in the Bible in Acts. You can pop it up on the, um, up on the screen, Emily. Okay. This is Paul. He says this. Okay. And he says, re- the remem- he says remember the words of Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Who wants to read out the yellow, the words in yellow? Can read out the words nice and loudly? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Ah, it's more blessed to give than receive. It's better to give than to get. You'll be happier if you give to someone else than if someone else gives to you. So how many of you have been doing lists, Christmas lists, of things you would like for Christmas? How many of you have done a list of the people you'd like to give to for Christmas? Yeah? Have you asked your dad and said, Dad, what do you think Mum would like for Christmas? Hey, what can we go and give Mum? Or have you asked your Mum, I think Dad would like this for Christmas. What do you think? Have you done that? You have? Brilliant. Because what did Jesus say? It's better to give than receive. So as we come to Christmas time, Christmas is a time of giving, isn't it? Because we remember, okay, that's when God the Father gave us Jesus, his son, to come and live on this earth. He gave us Jesus, which is the best gift, okay, that anyone could give. But Christmas is about a time of giving than receiving. So if you haven't thought about your mum or your dad or your brothers or your sisters, now's the time. Go to your mum and dad and say, we would like to buy for, because Jesus says, it's better to give than receive. Yeah? Now, before you all go back, I decide you could have one yourself as well. Come on. Come and get one yourself and then go back to you. We couldn't let you not have one, could we, eh?
That's right. Well done. There we are. Good. Thank you. Thanks, Martin. Well, the Bible passage that John is going to be teaching us from is in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to read that now, starting at the first verse. So, Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it's written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John appeared baptising in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt round his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptised you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Well, we look forward to John teaching us from that. But before, we're going to sing again, and we're going to sing about how the joy that comes from Jesus has come on this sleeping world, has has dawned upon this world. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing.
Well, just before we get going this morning, I wanted to say that there is uh, an envelope in the hall for everyone or every family um, uh, to take away, just a little envelope, so uh, do look for that or pass it on to others. If for some reason you're, you've missed out on one and your name is not on one, then there are some spares there, so do take one of those. It'd be good to get them going this morning. Okay. Well, which gospel... Which gospel are we in most, would you say, as we come towards Christmas? Which of the four gospels? Well, we're often in Matthew, with the announcement to Joseph and the wise men. Perhaps we're even more often in Luke, uh, with uh, Mary, with the shepherds, with Simeon and Anna. Sometimes we're in the Gospel of John, the deep and profound introduction that there is in the Gospel of John, which uh, the home groups will probably be looking at this week. Well, this morning, um, as we approach Christmas and we think of approaching Christmas, our launch pad is actually going to be the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of of Mark. I think it's the first time I've done that, probably the first time we've done that for a long time. I'm going to look at the first three verses in the Gospel of Mark. We had them read to us, so we'll draw from the other verses that we've had read. But here is what we'll start with, Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And it includes the theme of preparation. Preparation. Perhaps you've had this question aimed at you this week. Are you prepared for Christmas? I get asked that question sometimes. It's usually one that instills a little bit of panic as you think perhaps of the cards and the presents and the food and the looming events. Are you prepared for Christmas? Well, the verses that we read here, somebody is doing some preparation. There's preparation going on. For verse 2, who will prepare your way. Verse 3, prepare the way of the Lord. And in thinking about his preparation, we might find it's good for our preparation. Thinking about his preparation, the preparation of the Lord at this time of the year, might help us in our preparation in these weeks. It won't help you buy the presents. It won't help you get them wrapped. It won't do the party games for you. It won't get your decks up or your cake iced. But in other ways, dare I say in more important ways, it will help you in the preparation for Christmas. Well, who is doing the preparation here? Who's doing the preparation here? Well, it's John. Verse 4 says, John appeared. It's talking about John. 
John the Baptist as we know him. I don't know if you've ever realised, I'm not sure I've properly realised how much the preparation work of John the Baptist is emphasised. I sort of clocked it a bit more this week in thinking about it. Twice in Matthew it's referred to. Four times in Luke. Usually quoting from Isaiah 40, we had read a bit earlier, which we will be dipping in and out of as well this morning. The ones in Luke are quite integral to the the Christmas accounts that we think of at this time of year. The angel's announcement to Zechariah in Luke 1 and verse 17 says this, He will go before him in the spirit of and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And later in the chapter when Zechariah bursts into song in verse 76 he says this, A new child will be called the prophet of the Most High for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. So we're looking to be prepared for Christmas and we're thinking about the preparation work of John the Baptist which is often referred to at the start of the Gospels. And I'm hoping it will help you and I as we uh, have the run-up to the days ahead. We're going to just notice three things, especially from from John, that I hope will help us. The first is preparing for a great arrival. Preparing for a great arrival. Now sometimes uh, preparing just gives an idea, doesn't it, of the importance of something. The fact that something has um, some preparation or it has an organiser going ahead or a trailblazer going ahead tends to picture something important is on its way. That's why preparation is necessary. So, let's put it this way. If if the children who, who live with you normally come home, maybe at the end of school or something. Well, you, hopefully the home is quite nice, but you, you don't wish, wash the kitchen floor especially, do you? You don't, uh, you don't plan a special meal. Um, you don't sort out party games for when they come home. Um, you don't have special drinks laid on for them, probably. But when the whole family come for Christmas... Wider members of the family are not usually with you. It's different. Things get ratcheted ratchet up a bit, don't they? And if you have a large group of friends come, or if there is an, a special event, or, or if you're planning something particularly big like a, a, a wedding or something, well, there's all sorts of preparation because of the importance of the arrival and what's happening. And the way... You have a a preparer here highlights the importance of the arrival. The fact that you have a John the Baptist underlines the importance of the person who is coming. Here, John is described 
in Mark as an advanced messenger. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. He's somebody who's preparing the way, who will prepare your way. He's also telling others to prepare. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. What is this great arrival which must be so important as to have this preparer going ahead? Well, it's the arrival of a great person. It is the arrival of the Lord. Verse 3, prepare the way of the Lord. If we dip back into our Isaiah passage, it's described in this way. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The Lord is coming. God is coming. Isaiah carries on, verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The words here in Mark, although it directly refers to Isaiah the prophet, they also have included together some words from another prophet, the prophet Malachi. And in the last but one chapter of the Old Testament, you have the messenger pointed forward to, and it's quoted, let me read from Malachi, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. So we are remembering that the the Lord has come. First Tuesday, those who are there, Emmanuel, God with us. First Steps, the book, Love Come Down, the great arrival of love, the great arrival of the Lord. Now, you may be focusing on your guests coming. And that's necessary, isn't it? And we perhaps have maybe family times ahead or friends joining us. We're looking forward to, you know, really happy times. And it needs lots of planning. And those of us who sort of escape some of the planning when others in the family are doing it, we we need to be jolly grateful for them who bear a lot of stress at this time of year and pulling it all together. But in all this, uh, let us not forget the great arrival. You could have an awfully messed up Christmas, you know. The boiler could fail and your home is cold. A couple of key members cancel because of illness. Amazon are out of stock of the main present you were going to buy for someone. Um, The Christmas dinner gets cold by the time everyone is actually sat round the table and ready to eat it. All that could happen and, you know, it might be quite disappointing because of the time and the effort and the plans you've put in. But above them all, remember this, the great arrival has happened. The great arrival has happened. The person is so important that John the Baptist feels just sort of 
utterly inadequate to be involved, really. Verse 7, he preached saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Person of such importance. Now, how would you... How would you feel if um, Prince William asked you to uh, put something in the rubbish bin for him? There you are, you're on a walkabout, somehow he's quite close to you and he's ended up with stuff that he doesn't need. And said, Excuse me, would you, there's a bin over there, would you mind? You'd be thrilled to bits. It would go on your Facebook page or your Instagram or whatever you use. You would never forget that moment. And he gave it to me and and I took it and I put it in the bin and it was Prince William and I was involved. You just feel so privileged to be doing a menial, grotty. I mean, somebody else asked you to do that, so you do it yourself. But with Prince William, you just feel inadequate to be involved. And John the Baptist, though such a high figure in the Bible, just feels dwarfed by the dignity, the importance of the one who would come the one who would come and bring the era of the Holy Spirit who would be at work in people's lives. So, preparing for a great revival, have a sense, let us have a fresh sense of the importance of who has come. The Lord, God, the one of great importance. What a thrilling thing it is and how it should put other things into perspective at this time of year. The second point is a bit different, but I think it's the right one to make in looking at John the Baptist. We call it preparing by repentance. Now there's uh, a lot of sorting out usually, isn't there, which goes ahead of people arriving, of arrivals. And I guess it happens in any homes Uh, that we have where there's going to be people coming over Christmas, uh, that the shoes will be got out of the hallway, the the bags will be stuffed in in the cupboard, the children will be told to get all their stuff together and take it in their room, the magazines which are just sort of littered around the house will be sort of tidied up and put somewhere. If an older person has come, come in, things will definitely be out of the way so that it doesn't cause an obstacle or a problem. There is some sorting out that, that happens ahead of the arrival. And it's a bit like that here, but it's put in term, really, of road improvements. Of, of road improvements. When a, a royal visitor was to come to the town, then they would want to make the the pathway as as good as possible. You don't want the the royal carriage to get stuck in a rut. You don't want it to ground over the lumps. You don't want the the royal person to be all bruised as it's such a, a bumpy road or to arrive green with sickness. No, so effort is made to make it smooth and to fill in the ditches and to, 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 to push down the, the banks and the lumps. And that's how it's described in the Isaiah passage. 
Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And that's a description of what John the Baptist does. So how does he do that? How does he prepare the way for the Lord? I mean, he wasn't a literal road builder, was he? He wasn't out there with a shovel. How does he prepare the way for the Lord? Well, he, he baptised, it's in the name, isn't it? John the Baptist. But see here the way it's described, proclaiming, verse 4, Mark 1, a baptism of repentance. There was some sorting out that needed to be done. And John did this by, by calling for repentance and confession. And you can see that the whole region sort of descended on John over this. It was quite a feature. John appeared, verse 4, baptising in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. See it even more in Luke chapter 3. And it's a right preparation for us. Yes, Jesus has now come into the world, but as we think of personally receiving him, as we think of his coming, as we consider his arrival, at this time of year especially, as we approach Christmas, repentance is a a suitable way to prepare. Would you say that repentance is something that you have felt? and experienced. A a regret of the things that have been wrong and a turning away from them in your mind and heart. Confession is mentioned here. Would you say you've confessed to God the things that have been against him and against others? You're open with God about your failings. I mentioned uh, Luke 3, where John the Baptist is featured even, even more in Luke 3. And one of the things that strikes me about his ministry there, it talks about repentance in, in Luke 3, verse 3 and verse 8. But one of the things that uh, strikes me is how specific he gets. I always find this a difficulty, you know, in preaching um, and in giving talks. I find it very difficult to, to get specific. Um, I feel as though I need wisdom. And those of you who, who speak and those who, who pray for those who speak, you know, pray for wisdom gets about getting specific. People need specifics because they then, they tune in and they envisage it and it makes them thoughtful. It's not so bland to be just general. When you get specific, that's really helpful. But being wise when you're specific is is quite hard, I find. So you're not legalistic, you don't apply it in a wrong way. Well, John here, here does get specific. As the different groups of people come to him, he's quite specific. 
verse 10 of Luke 3. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics to share with him who has none, and whoever has food to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptised and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorised to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. Might be similar things for ourselves, wouldn't it? Slightly different in our context. I don't think it means you can't have two jumpers or two t-shirts or two coats. But um, you're amassing lots that you don't really need, being extravagant on yourself, and no thought for those who have nothing. Not a tax collector, but in other ways in life, you're, you're distorting the truth, you're telling white lies, maybe you call them, in order to work it for your advantage, so that your own pocket is lined and you get more money. Or, you're not a soldier, but um, you're in a position of some form of authority and really, to be honest, that's gone to your head and you're throwing your weight around a little bit. You're being pretty unkind to others. These soldiers may well be employed by the civil authorities and and they obviously weren't content with their terms and conditions and maybe as soldiers they were able to sort of be a little bit aggressive about it to try and make sure that they got much better terms and conditions for themselves. Well, we want to be paid fair, dealt with fairly, there's a sort of Christian ethos behind that, comes elsewhere in the Bible. But we discontent grumpy over the way in which we're treated in a way which is just bad in our hearts. We're ungrateful, we're overlooking. Greedy and grumpy, that's what so much of this is about, isn't it? Greedy and grumpy. That's what happens when he sort of gets to the specifics. And, and if I said to you, well, you know, um, you need to repent, you sort of think, well, this is all general, but they say, are you discontent with your terms and conditions with your employment in an unfair way? You think, well, maybe actually, maybe, maybe I... So I talk about, you know, generally sort of doing what, what's right before God, that goes over your head, but I say, if you've got too many clothes and, you know, too much stuff piling up and not sharing it with others, then we all think, well, actually, do I need to think about this? We will appreciate uh, Christmas if we have more self-awareness. If we feel a spirit of repentance. That's what John the Baptist did in the way of preparation to help people to realise that things had gone wrong, needed to be different. Maybe none of those things, but maybe there's something else which you... You need to change, you need to be sorry about it, you need to confess. Self-awareness and openness to God is a, is a good way to run up to Christmas. We probably won't wish anyone a repentant Christmas. You don't put that in Christmas cards, do you? Well, I wish you a repentant Christmas. 
But, uh, you know, that's not the overall message. We're not finished this morning yet. But, you know, there's a sense in which in the build-up, that's quite a healthy thing. And we will appreciate so much more what it's about if we feel that way about ourselves in our hearts. The last point does take us on to something slightly different. Preparing for good news. There there are two sides to John's preparation. It's reflected a bit in the combination of the prophets. So Malachi, if you've read Malachi 3 and 4, it talks about the purifying judge coming. That should lead to repentance, as we've just been thinking of. But in Isaiah, the, the, the preparation role has a different emphasis. Let me read again how Isaiah 40 starts. Tim read it for us, but I'll read it again. The lead up to this preparation starts like this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, etc. You have the, the, the coming is something which is comforting. Um, it's, it's a tender message. It's about forgiveness. And if we jump to verse 9 in Isaiah 40, it's put like this. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. It is good news which is being announced. It is good news which is coming and being prepared for. The coming of Jesus is good news, isn't it? The shepherds were told this and realised this. But it's also the way Mark starts his Gospel. And these verses we're in this morning. The first verse of the Gospel of Mark is dynamite. It is just so packed with power. Perhaps you didn't notice it. Verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. How much is rolled into those two lines in my Bible? And it is emphasising, it is good news. It is evangel is the word. And that's a powerful term. It isn't the sort of good news of, oh, I had, a good, I had a good day today, things didn't go too bad, a few things turned out okay, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a nice day. This word, good news, the beginning of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is, uh, is momentous news, is, is empire-changing news. There's a similar inscription found dated back to 9 BC about the Emperor Augustus along these lines of good news of evangel. This is something seismic which is happening and wonderful, it is good news. And the things we think about at this time of year, the coming of Jesus, it is momentous news for those whose hearts and consciences are troubled. 
For those who feel a lack of peace in their relationship with God and consequently also with others, for those who have no sense of hope as they think of their short lives, as those who don't know the wonderful joy of the most important relationship that can be known. It is momentous good news. Sin is going to be dealt with. Isaiah spells it out in his comfort message. Her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Forgiveness. I heard that uh, last week uh, some of you went to a, a baptism up the road, which is an encouraging service to go to, and I understand that as part of the talk, um, the, the speaker of the talker had a, a dirty shirt, if I've got that right, and there was all sorts of things on it, and he lowered it into something, I don't know, whether some sort of special liquid, I don't know how it worked, but then brought it out and it was all clean and totally white. Forgiveness. All the specifics dealt with. All the grumpiness and greediness washed away. And it was good news. It was very good news. It was settling the debt. It was settling a a big debt. Now I guess we feel different about different amounts of money. You might be given a, a little bit of money. Maybe a child is given some pocket money, if pocket money still occurs. I've been out of touch these days, but if you get some pocket money, well that's quite nice and, and maybe you go down the, the sweet shop or something and you, you get a, a bit of stuff and oh that's quite nice, you had a little bit of money come your way. Or maybe, just notch it up a bit, you get a, a generous uh, birthday present and uh, you know, you're really able to get some expensive clothes item that you've been wanting or, or some special treat, that's what it, you, you're giving it for and you know, this is quite something, quite a, uh, quite a sort of noteworthy thing that it's going to be because you're giving a generous present. You compare that to if somebody was to say to some of you, this might be relevant to, your mortgage is all gone. I don't know how many thousands there are in some of you who've got mortgages. They're very big these days, aren't they, mortgages? Sort of crippling with the debt and the monthly payments, especially as the interest rates have been going up and your mortgage is all gone. It's wiped away. Well, that, that is big news. That is amazing news. And here Isaiah talks about paying double for all the sins. The whole lot is cleared because the one who came went the way to the cross and at the cross died instead of others, taking upon him the sin of all who believe and trust in him. Simeon, remember Simeon? How he's described as waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for comfort. And when he found it, he blessed God and gave thanks and felt a sense of peace. The good news has come. There's a lot of bad news and there's a lot of sad news in our lives. But when we think of what we're thinking of of Christmas, we have good news. Not many good news. We have major good news. Uh, Are you ripe for this sort of comfort? 
Are you sort of sagging under the gloom of guilt? Are you desperate to find a way of hope in the midst of personal failure? Christmas brings very, very good news with tremendous consequences for you, for your relationship with God and for your eternal future. It is certainly good news. So, as we approach Christmas, as we prepare for Christmas, as it involves all sorts of things in our busy lives, let's also keep a sense of perspective. Let's rise above it. Let's prepare by remembering the great revival, the Lord has come. Let's prepare by having repentant hearts. Let's prepare by remembering the comforting, wonderful, momentous good news that the Saviour has come into the world. Well, we're going to sing of the joy of the Lord coming in our last song this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her King.
Heavenly Father, we do pray that amidst all that happens at this time of year, that you would help us in our hearts to be prepared to remember the coming of the King, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Saviour. Fill us with that sense of need, but may that sense of need be more than met and wonderfully be led to a sense of joy and peace and hope as we think of what Jesus came to do as the Saviour of the world. And this we pray in his name. Amen.